Bible, open to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 will be in verses 16 through 21 this morning. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. Let me welcome you again if you're a guest with us today. Of course, we're glad all of you are here to worship. And in particular, uh, we hope that you've experienced the warmth and hospitality of the church uh, this morning if you are our guest. And I look forward to meeting you here in just a little bit. Hopefully, Lord willing, at our uh, pastor's reception, uh, right at the end of the service, down the steps to the left, I've got a small gift I'd like to give, give you, and would love to meet my wife and I, Whitney, would love to meet you there this morning. So I hope to see you here in just a little bit. Until then, though, let's uh, focus, turn our attention to the Word of God. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. If you're open there, why don't you go ahead and stand with me out of reverence for the reading of the words of our God. If you don't have a Bible and you'd like to use the Pew Bible, it's page 1341. Hear the words of the Lord, uh, beginning in verse 16. And bear in mind that as the words on this page are being read, it's as if God Himself is speaking to us. Verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you. As I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let's pray together. Oh God, would you please open our hearts and minds today to receive your word. And God, it's our prayer that we would be changed by it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, I don't know if it's done yet or not, but this morning, the closing ceremonies of the Winter Olympics were taking place. Nobody loves the Olympics more than Whitney Alexander, and so we've been watching the Olympics a lot. Uh, at night in particular, we'll watch the primetime Olympics uh, coverage. coverage. I, I'm amazed by watching this stuff. Um, I think maybe the Winter Olympics are even more amazing to me than the Summer Olympics. Now, I can't run fast, but if I had to, I could run. But I'm telling you right now, if I had to skate, I couldn't skate to save my life. This is just something about seeing the things these folks are able to do where I couldn't even make it across the rink. I couldn't even make it onto the ice. And they're able to do these amazing, wonderful things. And the way they ski and snowboard and skate and all these different things. Goodness gracious, the monobob or whatever you've got going on. It's mind-boggling how they can train and learn to do these things. What humans are able to accomplish is astounding. And yet, even in this great display of how great we are, right? And, and this seemingly sort of pure and innocent thing, it's just a big athletic competition. Hasn't it been amazing to see the way that there's a dark side? Even in something that we should all be able to get together and enjoy together as a world, we can't quite do it. 
You've got the things that are happening in China in terms of human rights, and particularly the Uyghur Muslims who are being oppressed deeply in China during this time, persecuted. You've got doping scandals, bitter rivalries, things that are coming to the forefront. Even the women's figure skating event the other night had this huge scandal, and Paul cast over it by the turmoil that was there because of some of these different storylines. What a challenge it is. Even in our most seemingly pure and good things, the things that we usually like to go to to get a little break from the world, guess what? It's there too. Even in our most seemingly pure and good things, we can see the way that sin has infiltrated every corner of the human heart and every corner of our world. You just can't get away from it. Even in something like the Olympics, we see a dark side because the flesh is relentless. I, I come here today to tell you, you are in the fight of your life. And some of us even are fighting for our lives. May not even know it. And every last molecule of your body, every last molecule of your body is fighting against you in this fight as you wage war against the flesh and its desires. And for some of us this morning, it feels overwhelming. Our flesh just rebels against us. We know we ought not do the things that we want to do, and yet there we are doing it. I don't know what your fight with the flesh is today. It may be something on this list. It may not be. It may be that you're fighting your body for joy. And yet your brain and your heart and your soul just won't respond the way you want them to respond. And so you're sad or depressed or can't even get out of bed. Maybe you're fighting the war of lust. Maybe you're fighting the war of addiction. I don't know. Maybe it's the simple things, the things we like to excuse, rivalries and dissensions that you're fighting, feeling like you deserve everything. Be overwhelming. We can feel like we're losing the fight. And I want you to know if you're doing it in your own power, you are losing the fight. The flesh cannot be managed, sin cannot be managed. But you, O oh Christian, have help. If you have not changed already, why not? Could it be because you need help? You have a new heart if you're a believer. You have the Helper Himself. You have the Holy Spirit. You have perfect justification in Jesus. You have help to fight the flesh. And this morning, I want to show you three truths that God will use to help give you freedom and victory from sin. I want to show you three truths concerning how we fight the flesh. Some of you may be reeling as you felt a sense of legalism ripped from your grasp as we've studied Galatians and you're wondering, okay, if it's not by the law, how do I fight the flesh? And others of you have bought in to the idea of legalism and you keep saying, I know the rules and I know I should love God more and I just can't do it. How can I fight the flesh? This text, this text opens our hearts and minds to see the way that God has appointed for us to fight 
the flesh. Three truths this morning. Here's the first. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is our only hope against the flesh. The, the, the Spirit is our only hope against the flesh. That's God's Holy Spirit. Do you see, the, you see what the text says here, beginning of verse 16? But I say, Paul says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Paul has spent the better part of five chapters of the Bible here, of Galatians, uh, advocating against a sort of reversion back to the law. And I've said a lot as I've preached through this, it almost feels like you're suspended in thin air. Because you're leaving the law and going to something else, and it's almost like sometimes you're feeling like, okay, Paul, what should we go to? And finally, here we are, where we see exactly what we ought to do if we want to be more holy. That's always the question of legalism. How can we be holy? How can we be more like God? How can, how can we be embraced by God? Well, you, there's a holiness without which no one will see the Lord, the Bible says. How can we become more like God, more godly? Here's what Paul says, I say to you, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. What does it mean to walk by the Spirit? I'll, I'll put it simply. It means to shape the pattern of your life according to the will of the Holy Spirit. Now, I think some of us try to treat the Holy Spirit almost like a, a genie in a lamp or like a personal special guide to life or something like that where he's just coming along, supposed to give us wishes or, or whisper in our ear what we should do every day. And I'm not saying you shouldn't walk with the Spirit in certain ways, but what I, what I mean to say, though, is that the Holy Spirit has revealed the pattern of life He wants us to have in the pages of Scripture. And to walk in step with the Spirit, and to walk by the Spirit, is to pattern our life in those simple, unique, Christ-like, godly ways that the Spirit presents in the Bible. Next Sunday, we'll look a little more about what a Spirit-shaped life looks like. But today, I think it's suffice to say that to walk by the Spirit means simply to shape the pattern of your life according to the will of the Holy Spirit. Just walk according to the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Here, Paul's presenting these things as two opposite ideas, right? If you do one, you will not do the other. And so if you are gratifying the desires of the flesh, you will not be walking by the Spirit. And certainly, if you're walking by the Spirit, as it says explicitly, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. What does Paul mean by flesh here? I think a shorthand uh, definition to understand this is that when Paul speaks of the flesh, he's talking about all of the natural inclinations we have as fallen sinners. So there are good things about our bodies. God has given us good things, but they are warped and bent and twisted because of the fall, because of sin. You see, and then he goes on to say, these are opposed to each other. I want you to know every temptation you have, every temptation you have is rooted in and begins in what Paul calls the flesh. You have a natural bent and inclination towards sin. These two are opposed to each other. Now this is good news. This is good news. This is good news. This is why I, I, I will never preach a gospel of grace. Listen to me carefully. I believe wholeheartedly in grace, right? I hope that's clear. I think the Bible teaches grace and that we are sinners saved by grace and grace alone, right? And yet, I want you to know that 
I will never preach a gospel of grace that does not also contain within it moral objectives for the Christian. And, and the reason for that is because we are saved by grace out of our sin. And the Holy Spirit who saves us, who transforms our heart, who regenerates us according to the gospel of grace, He is opposed to the flesh. And so the gospel comes then with moral commands, things we must do, moral objectives for the Christian. We can't simply act however we want. The Holy Spirit is opposed to the flesh, which for some of us feels kind of frustrating. We're trying to get a little relief from the flesh, and you know what the easiest way to get relief from the flesh is? To give in to it. And so we kind of want the Holy Spirit to come along and ease our conscience a little bit and say, why don't you enjoy that for a minute? You know, you believe in grace, but the Holy Spirit's opposed to it, but that's good news because your sin will destroy your life. Your sin will destroy your life. Sin. Look at what sin's done to the world. Look what sin can do to such good things. The Holy Spirit and the flesh are opposed to each other, and that's good news because we need help. We need help. It's good news because God is not leaving you in your guilt and your sin. He has come on a rescue mission to help you. And notice what the Bible says down into verse 17. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Let me tell you about the flesh. Your flesh will never, never present you with something you don't want to do. That's the problem. That's why it's so hard to fight the flesh. Nothing is more persistent than your flesh because your flesh is literally bound up in your desires. And nothing, you think the, de the devil knows a little bit about you, right? He can see your life and see the things you're tempted about. But nobody knows your temptations like you do. Nobody knows what you like like you do, do they? N nobody knows your temptations like you do. And within ourselves, our very flesh, our very bodies, our very natural inclinations do nothing 24-7 but present us with what we want. If the devil had that kind of knowledge of you, you'd probably sin. Do nothing but sin for the rest of your life. But praise be to God, we have help. Do you see how badly you need it? What is there that's harder to do than something you don't want to do? And what is there that's harder to stop doing than something you want to do? And so you sit there and you think, I don't know, I need some help. My flesh is so strong, pastor. So maybe I need help, and I believe the Holy Spirit will help me, but I might need to help him out a little too. I probably just need to set up some, some rules and some some law in my life to make sure that the Holy Spirit's got some help and making sure I stay Christian, making sure I stay on the straight and narrow. Maybe a little legalism will aid him. That leads to our second point. Not only is the Spirit our only hope against the flesh and our only help against the flesh, but second of all, the Spirit is better than the law. The Spirit is better than the law. The Spirit is better than the law. Some of you may hear me preach against legalism so fiercely and, and, and preach grace so fiercely because and maybe you start to think, I wonder if he just doesn't like holiness or something. You know? 
I wonder if he just, some of you may even just be offended by this. He must just not really want us to obey God. No, my friends, I want you to know something. I hate legalism because I love holiness. I hate legalism because I love Christ's likeness. I want you to know I've tried legalism and it doesn't work. I've tried every which way to preserve my righteousness on my own. I've come up with every kind of way to break the cycle of flesh and law where I know what I ought to do and I sin anyway and then I'm overwhelmed and overcome with guilt and remorse and then I say, you know what it's time to do? It's time to gird up my loins and it's time to pick myself up by my bootstraps and it's time to do better. And once I do better, then I can go to God and then then, then grace can really get to work. I've tried so hard to do that Instead of knowing what I ought to do and sinning against a holy God and by grace coming to an authentic repentance where I hate my sin and then relishing in and loving and enjoying through repentance and confession the grace of God that's been given in my heart and the light that Jesus shines on the darkness rather than trying to stay in my darkness until I can straighten it out. Instead, walking out into the light and by the power of the Holy Spirit being empowered to be changed and being empowered with freedom from guilt guilt so that sin can come into the light. Tried every which way to manage sin, to fix sin, to pretend that it wasn't even really there. Oh, consider, my friends, the weight of sin in our hearts and why we need a heart change rather than just a new set of rules or a stricter set of rules. You think if you just locked yourself up in a cell with a Bible, you'd never sin again? No, no, your flesh is still there, is it not? Think about it. Consider the weight of sin in our hearts. You see the shape of where your flesh will take you? It destroys, it destroys, it's a cancer, it's a rust on the beautiful things that God has given you in your life. Think about what a beautiful world this is that God has given us and all the glories and joys and beauties that we get in our Father's world, as the hymn says. What a good world God gave us, and sin has wrecked it in such a way, and your flesh trashes all the good and beautiful things that God has given you in your life. You see the fruit of the flesh, the works of the flesh, they're evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality. Your flesh trashes your intimacy. Intimacy with your spouse, intimacy with those you love. Even the gift of singleness that maybe God's given you and you're going to cultivate intimacies in, in ways besides marriage. But these things can rob intimacy from you. God created man and saw that it was not good that he would be alone and he created us for intimacy in that way and you can see the way that our flesh doesn't take us to a one flesh union for life but instead takes us down a path of sin that destroys our intimacy but God didn't just create us to know one another in intimate ways God created us most importantly to know and love him And our flesh trashes our spiritual life, our relationship to God. You see, idolatry and sorcery on the list here. 
I want you to know that the self-help section at the bookstore has changed. I don't go there a lot, but I sometimes cruise the self-help section from time to time because I want to understand and learn a little more about how people are trying to fix themselves. Five or ten years ago, I noticed it was a lot of just sort of ten steps to a better you, right? And, and uh, here's how you can take charge of your life and be boss of your life and that kind of thing. Sort of Joel Osteen without pretending to be Christian. And uh, now I walk through, walked yesterday to the bookstore, large big box bookseller, and walked through the self-help section. And the face of the section has totally changed. It's almost entirely about astrology and how to align your chakras and all sorts of faux spiritual new age sorts of things. And you see the way that humanity and our culture is coming to the end of its ability to manage itself and is starting to try to turn towards something spiritual. God made us with a soul. God made us to know and love Him. And we can try to secularize our hearts into being better all we can, but eventually people start to turn to something else. Of course, anything but grace. Don't you see the way the flesh trashes your spiritual life? It wrecks your relationship to God? These are extreme examples, idolatry and sorcery, but they sum up in so many ways. The, the spiritual ways we run away from God, either through subbing Him out or trying to make connections to the spiritual apart from Him. We have to be so careful. God made us to know and love one another, and your flesh trashes your community. Not just the most intimate of relationships, but any intimacy you can have. The community you have with others. Do you see these works of the flesh? Enmity and strife and jealousy and fits of anger and rivalries and dissensions and divisions and envy and that's just at the church bake sale do you see do you see the way that it does that the way our community is wrecked by our flesh have you ever seen sin get get a hold of a community it seems prim and proper and perfect on the outside, but on the inside there's all sorts of poison. All sorts of measuring each other up. All sorts of trying to figure out who's the highest on the pecking order. All kinds of folks clouding up, as a rapper would say. you know, Trying to make sure you know who's who. Jealousy, it comes out in anger, it comes out in rivalries. We can't even play Little League Baseball anymore without this stuff infecting our lives. Your flesh trashes community. My friends, your flesh trashes every good gift that God gives you. Have you ever given someone a present that you valued and they just didn't treat it with love and respect? The last two things God mentions here, things that are almost shameful, to, at least one very shameful to even bring up in church, it feels like drunkenness and orgies. It's a summing up of the way that we take all that God's given us and we trash it with our flesh. Take good gifts. We can't have parties and God has given us parties and sex and good things and ways to enjoy the world and we take them and we run with them and turn them into their own gods and they cause a fire to take over our life. Unspeakable thing. Do you see what you're up against? Do you see the weight of sin? Do you see how badly you need the Spirit to fight the flesh? You cannot do it on your own. 
And there's not one single thing on this list. And you may say, that list is just the start for me, Pastor. There's not one single sin that would shock God. There's not one single sin that would shock your pastor. I want you to know if you go out into the light, Jesus will love you. He knows already. Legalism is hell. And the only power it provides is to tell you you're condemned to do better and to maybe check back with God later when you've tried a little harder. But the Spirit gives you power and the Spirit enables you and the Spirit allows you to walk out into the light so that you can get help and so that the Holy Spirit can give you light on your sin so that you can walk in Christ. There's more grace for your sin than you think. Don't keep living in it. You don't have to. Bring it to the light. and Live by the Spirit. And finally, quickly, the Spirit takes you all the way to heaven. Your flesh doesn't take you to heaven. Your, your, your works don't take you to heaven. If you stay in your flesh, if you stay in your works, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that those... I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's where your best job takes you. Cut off from God and His people forever. I want you to feel this warning. I want you to feel the weight of this verse. But I want that fear that it strikes in your heart. I want the Holy Spirit this morning to help you see in this text that the Holy Spirit can take that fear and actually turn it into hope. Because you read this and you say, if I live in my flesh, I'm not going to go to heaven. I'm going to be cut off from the people of God. I'm not going to participate in the heritage of the Lord. If I keep in my flesh, I'm going to go to hell. But I want you to know something. The Holy Spirit won't leave you in this list. The, the Holy Spirit won't leave you in your flesh. You may be asking every day, Oh God, am I even a Christian? Oh Jesus, do I even... No, you. The Holy Spirit will not leave you in this list. Do you really think that God doesn't know that dirty little secret? Do you really think that God doesn't know the thing you think will unravel your life? He does know. And that fear and that worry and that struggle you have in the pit of your stomach and that, that weight that you feel right now, could it be that that might be the work of the Holy Spirit who's still at work right now to bring your sin to the light, to fight your flesh, to make you more like your Savior? You can't do it on your own. Cannot fight it alone. You need the Spirit's help. He convicts you 
He sustains you. He protects you. He will not leave you in that list. And the hell you feel in your heart right now because of the sin you can't let go of has already been suffered by Christ. Step out into the freedom of justification. Let the Holy Spirit take you nearer to Christ today. And remember that it's the Holy Spirit and not your flesh that will take you all the way to heaven. He won't leave you in your sin. He'll never leave you or forsaken. Stop fearing, Christian. Stop fearing that you won't be accepted into the kingdom if the sin comes to light. And instead start believing that you are a son and an heir by grace. And the way to be done with this sin is to bring it to the light. Stop fearing that your sin will damn you and start believing that Jesus already suffered damnation at the cross for you. Stop allowing the strength of your flesh to cast you into fear. Step out into the warmth and light of grace by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus loves you. He cares about you. And if you are in Christ, the Spirit will not leave you in this list. The Holy Spirit will take you all the way to heaven. The flesh won't get you there. You see where the flesh gets you. Your works won't get you there. You see where your works get you. Legalism won't get you there. Legalism is hell, and I hate it because I love the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. You won't get there in your power, but the Holy Spirit will take you all the way to heaven you are in the fight of your life and you need help and by God's grace you've got it I want to offer an invitation this morning if you're stuck in your sin and you don't know where to go you don't come to me you don't come to an altar you go to Jesus today by the power of the Spirit, to be set free from your sin. But this altar's open if you need somewhere to pray. If you just feel like you need to move to feel freedom. Second of all, I do believe, though, if you, if you repent of your sins, turn to God in faith, you will be saved. Second of all, you may be a believer. and say, Pastor, I've got some repenting to do. Would you pray for me? I'll be here for you. Otherwise, you can pray right where you are. Finally, you may be looking for a church home. Man, there are so many things we could promise, but let me just promise this. We'll preach grace. We'll preach Christ and Him crucified. We'll do our best to love you the best we can. If you want to know more about our church and what it means to be a member here at First Baptist Church, I want to invite you to come speak with me this morning. After this prayer, I'd like to invite you to come. Let's pray together.